I remember one couple coming to me and saying, well, we haven't dared come to psychosexual therapy before because we thought we were going to actually have to have sex in front of you. Corinne Black heard some unusual concerns during her time as a therapist. But one thing she was sure of was the benefits of running, something she's applied to her own life. I know if I haven't been out running for a couple of days, I, I can feel it in my moods. Running is, is one of those things that really lifts me up. Running has helped many people through the coronavirus pandemic and periods of lockdown and Corinne believes the time we've had to ourselves has had benefits as well. I know they talk about it being a mental health crisis. I would like to reframe that and call it um, a mental health revolution. How wonderful is that, that we've had the opportunity to sit and let things come up so that we can deal with it. I'm Michelle Lewis and on Running Tales this week we have something slightly different. I spoke to therapist turned author Corinne Black about lockdown, therapy and her running story. Welcome to this week's episode of Running Tales where I've got Corinne Black who's the author of Talking Therapy as well as being a runner. So welcome Corinne to Running Tales. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for having me here. So you have um, recently written a book that has been published in February 2021 called Talking Therapy. Can you um, go into how it all began? Yeah, I can. So um, how I thought about writing that book is that I was a therapist for um, about 15 years. I, I actually suffered burnout um, at the end, so I had to step back from uh, my, close my practice down and everything else that I was doing um, and um, sat down and I was already writing at the time, uh, writing blog posts and, and what have you. And um, a lot of my clients had up until that point been coming to therapy and the first session would um, show me how much they actually knew about therapy and how we needed to approach um, their sessions um, and of course depending on how much they knew about therapy or if they'd been to therapy before would would also depend on how quickly they progressed so a lot of people came to therapy with a lot of very strange ideas myths about therapy so being a, a psychosexual therapist I worked mainly well I worked a lot with sexual issues and I remember, and I think I mentioned that in the book too, I remember one couple coming to me and saying, well, we haven't dared come to psychosexual therapy before because we thought we were going to actually have to have sex in front of you. I was shocked when I read uh, that bit. Yeah, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I <think> they don't. <laughs> yeah, but there, there are some very um, strange ideas out there, but I can see how they come about because TV does have a way of portraying things. I mean, we've had various programs where, um, suppose, you know, the, the sex therapists have been in the room with a couple when they've had sex and, and stuff like that, and it's been on TV. And it's, it's just given completely the wrong idea of what it is that's going on. 
So that was one side of it. There was also the side where I thought there's so much that could do with being said about therapy that's not out there yet, um, that people really need to know so that they can take charge of their own therapy. What um, I like as well is that you did explain the word therapy and what it really means. Right, okay. Go on then. <laughs> well, you were saying it's a conversation. That's yeah. what therapy is. It's a conversation. It's not about solving the problem straight away. It's yeah. having a conversation, which, you know, when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, you're right. It is just a conversation. And yeah. the more I read into it, it made more sense. Yeah. But when people come to you, obviously you were saying they have different ideas. And when you do explain to them yourself and your colleagues in that field, you know, that it, does it make it a lot more easier for people to open up? So the, the opening up bit um, is, uh, yeah, it's partly knowing that we're just going to talk. We're not going to do anything else. Um, but also it's very much in the relationship that they have with their therapists. So we might go to therapy and, and think that we need to, to spill all the beans straight away, no matter who it is we're sitting in front. And it isn't actually, um, that could violate something else in us if we did that. Um, so it's really building that relationship so that we can build trust and we, we know how the re what the reaction is going to be when we finally do start opening up more. Um, so that there's a lot going on in that conversation. In the, essentially, it is just a conversation, but there's a lot that goes on. And we know that when we talk with other people, our friends and family, we might just be talking, but my, there's a lot going on between us. And we can gain so much from a conversation, but we can also have really, um, we can also walk away feeling really, awful or depressed or sad and, and things like that after a conversation. So it's all of these things that we need to uh, nurture, if you like, in that therapeutic relationship. I found it interesting as well, and it surprised me that um, you were saying in the book that you, if you're not happy with your therapist, you know, that you can, and you don't offend that therapist, you can go to another therapist, but also there's different types of therapists. Now, I know people might say that, that, are in, that have had experience in their fields, oh, well, that's common sense. But no, for someone that's not had therapy before, but are thinking about it, there are different type of therapists. And even you can turn around and say, no, if you're, you feel that you're not right for the client, which you were saying in the book that you've experienced and redirected to other colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's really, really essential that we do get on with our therapist and the therapist gets on with us. So the reason why a therapist might not be able to work with us could be, or it could be many things. Perhaps they're going through uh, something similar to what we're experiencing when we go and see them. And, and then that might be a little bit tricky for them. On the other hand, it might be okay. It's really up to the therapist to, to decide for themselves and um, with the help of their supervisor. Um, yeah, and therapists, I have had clients where um, what they wanted, what they needed was not what I could provide. 
So I didn't work with individuals with depression or anxiety, for example. That wasn't um, in my training. What I would do was work with relationships. So any kind of relationships, um, whether that's with an individual or with a couple or a family. I, I also used to work with young people. So therapists are trained to do different things in different ways. Um, and, and it may be that initially we just need some new skills. We just need a different way of looking at it um, rather than going very deeply into what it is that's underlying. We may not feel ready to do that or prepared to do that and that's fine but we need to find the therapist who will do what we need them to do with us it's not all therapists who will work on just giving us new skills yeah. so um a psycho a purely psychodynamically trained therapist will probably want us to go deeper because they know that that is that's more likely to be longer lasting yeah. But if it is that we just need some new skills and then we then we are back up again, if that's our belief, then what we need will be somebody like a CBT therapist or a solution focused therapist. Um, so there, there's different ways. And in the book, there was um, I made it as simple as I can. Yeah, there's so many different. Oh, therapies. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah. was good. You explained each one. So it, it, it went in. You, you did yeah. detail, give a brief detail to someone like me that's not experienced in that field, understood it. Yeah, good. Yeah. So big tick there, yeah. big tick there. <laughs> <laughs> Another bit, and you most probably have heard this or whatever, but there was one part of your book, um, which all I kept imagining was the Sopranos. And I think you might, you might know what scene I'm talking about in, well, there's two parts. And I did think the Sopranos, the series when I was watching it, uh, reading your book. One was um, when you was talking about the office layout and how, you know, um, minimalist you are and how you don't have your own like mark on the, the office. So there's no of, of perception of who you are from that outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's because of that uh, relationship that you need to build with your clients. It needs to be neutral. And if it is, I have a family photo standing on the shelf, then uh, people will focus on that because they're interested in who is this person in front of me. But that interest only lasts the first few sessions usually. And, and then they get to know that this space is just for them to talk about what it is that's going on for them. If they know too much about their client, then it may hinder them in actually bringing what it is that they really need to talk about, because they might start feeling feeling sorry for the client or, or thinking, oh, well, my problems are not as big as theirs and, and all of this that we often go through. Yeah. So, yeah. But I was thinking more like, and I know it's a TV series, whatever, but it's my experience. It was a few bits that did remind me when reading your book, like, her the, the therapist room in the in the series is very big lavish and it tend and you did mention this hollywood does, does or you know tv does tend to glamorize the environment of the therapist you know lavish books everywhere but you was very in your book particular how you choose your location your office mm, it was really yeah. interesting 
yeah. that you put a lot of thought into, you know, where the location is and you've turned locations down before because because of the position yeah 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 it is it's uh, a lot goes into um being a therapist it isn't just getting a couple of chairs and sitting and chatting there's a whole lot of uh, uh back thought that has to go into the place so for example where i am at the moment in my office i would never see clients in here you can see boxes stacked on that side and and over there that picture there <laughs> Yeah, it's got your name. That, that's uh, Jeff and I. That's from when we got married. So it's got the dates and our names and everybody who was at the wedding underneath. Okay, so you it's know. very personal. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's far too personal. And there's other bits and pieces in here that uh, tell too much about me as a person. So that that's a, a distraction for therapy. Yeah, the second bit that did remind me of the series was um, the fact that you, therapists have a therapist called a supervisor, and you went on to explain that. Yeah. You can go a bit more and explain how a supervisor is in the therapist world. Yeah, so a supervisor is a, a qualified therapist who has had training to become a therapist supervisor. So it's, it's very different to being a supervisor in a warehouse, for example, where you're in charge of uh, today's uh, actions. Uh, with a supervisor, uh, a therapist supervisor, a therapist will go and see them perhaps once a month, maybe even more if they've got a lot of clients, uh, and they'll talk about their client work. That doesn't include, that usually doesn't include talking about um, who the clients are so any identity still it's uh, confidential the identity of uh, uh, the clients and uh, any ways of identifying them remains uh, confidential so um, for example I would take uh, a case to supervision if it was I wasn't sure that perhaps I was doing the right thing or I was um, between thinking which way to take uh, the case, what kind of uh, techniques to use or how to understand it. Um, so we would analyze, if you like, the case and what it is that I experience in the room as a therapist. Um, so, so that's really what, what supervision is about. And of course, my supervisor has a supervisor too. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I just found that quite fascinating. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it is, and of course, in the UK and Australia too, it's it's um, something that you have to have. Yeah. Um, so it's mandatory. You 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 cannot be a registered therapist without having supervision. So it's it's a safety net. There are you know many points in the book, but there was one that really stood out as well. More so was you you don't offer your clients a cup of tea or a coffee. Oh. And I Did was really shocked that? when I read that yeah. reason why. Mm. Can you explain that to our listeners? It's interesting, isn't it? How much that goes into uh, offering a warm drink. Um, so if you went to see an accountant or a solicitor, they might offer you um, a warm drink and um, shake your hand and take you to take a seat and stuff like that. And the kind of subject that you talk about will be financial or legal. 
Um, and while it might be personal, it won't be psychologically as personal as therapy. So the relationship is different. It's based on legal or accountancy. With a therapist, it can be offering a cup of coffee or tea and then talking about, for example, how you are struggling to care for yourself. You know, not care as in getting the milk or anything like that, but really care for yourself emotionally or psychologically. Yeah. That cup of tea can suddenly take on a different meaning as if the therapist really cares for me. And like I say in the book, the story about the, the, the woman sitting there with a the cup and, and she was close to tears, holding the tears back and feeling the hug through the cup of tea from her therapist. Yeah. Well, it, it might be nice, but it's getting, it's getting a really tricky, into a really tricky and sticky situation. So suddenly she's developing a relationship with her therapist that isn't real, yeah. but the therapist is not aware. No, I just, I found that quite interesting. It made me quite alert when I was reading this. I was like, what? And then I had to read, the, you know, more into it. Yeah. So yeah. I don't want to go too much in because, I, you know, we want people to read the book. So I'm touching. But I was glad you did mention exercise. Ah, yes. <laughs> Which, of course, this is Running Tales. And I know you from being one of my heel demons on yes. one of my heel sessions. And you are a Northampton road runner. So you do like to run um, in groups as well. So tell us a bit about... Has running and is that part your therapy as well? Part of your oh uh, yeah, it definitely is. Um, I know if I haven't been out running for a couple of days, I I can feel it in my moods. Running is is one of those things that really lifts me up and uh, makes me able to do things that otherwise I might just sit down on the settee and, and watch TV. So it does have a, a big effect on me. And your hill running sessions are, are enough torture for me to last a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I cannot wait till they start again. Oh, no, can I? <laughs> no. So yeah. when did you, have you always been into running? I ran for the school when I was at school many, many, many moons ago. Um, and, but that was track running. So that was just circular track, running, running, just nothing else but run. And, uh, um, but then I, I left it for a little while, but I used to do a lot of push biking instead. So rather than getting a, a license and a car, I used my push bike up until I was in my mid twenties. Okay. Um, so you've always been then, fairly fit. Yeah, always done something. Yeah. Mm. Um, then before I came to Northampton in, 2011 I used to do a lot of running but it was on my own okay. and I would do various charity runs as well uh, every now and again the 10ks and actually the, the first charity run that I booked myself in for I thought I'd signed up for a 5k run so I, I saw that the mileage kind of things as they they went along and uh, I was thinking, oh, four, 4K, yeah, nearly there, one more, 5K, and there was no finishing line and it carried on, 6K, and I thought, wow, you know, it went up to 10K and I didn't realise, you know. <laughs> I bet that's one lesson you learn. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was. But I mean, 10, 10K now is, is what I do probably twice a week. Well, I have done for the last few weeks. So it's, it's not one that I have to warm up to anymore. It's amazing how addictive running is. Mm. It really is. And I keep telling myself, no, I'm not going to do marathons. But I suspect Sharky at some point or Sue will, will get hold of me and tell me I need to. So, <laughs> Yes, yes, you've got an experience in marathon, but only if you, when you're ready. There's lots of training. Yeah. You've got to be prepared. I don't know. I don't know whether it's really me. So um, do you recommend exercise to your clients as part of therapy? I do. It depends on what they do. I mean, I've, I've worked with um, I've worked with eating disorder clients um, in uh, a hospital, and that was uh, teenagers with eating disorders. Now, they used to do too much exercise, and um, so it became dangerous for them to do exercise. Um, and of course, when they're in hospital, it's pretty severe stuff. Mm. So at, at that point, it was more a matter of trying to keep them still. You know? yeah, yeah. but um but in general um i mean i've, I've yeah in general I've, I've always promoted um at least going for a walk um if it's possible once a day preferably somewhere green and um i think in my latest blog post it could be i talk about just getting out um even if it's just for a walk into your garden or, or over a, a sports field just getting out once a day can, can make a huge Can you just share what sh your blog page is so those that want to... Oh, my, my, I have got two now. I've got one on Medium. It's my name, Corinne Black. And uh, the other one is on Psychology Today, which is uh, Demystifying Therapy. That will have all kinds of things that's related to the book on, uh, on that. It's only just... Uh, I've only just been taken on board, if you like, as... Uh, as one of their bloggers. So um, that's just up. It's only got one post on it at the moment. So it's very new. But yeah, that's all about therapy as well. We're in March 2021. And as we all know, it's been one hell of a year, let's be honest. And the, the day that we're chatting is the UK's first one year anniversary of our very first lockdown of being in a situation of COVID. Do you feel therapists are going to have their work cut out when you know in the next few months years yeah. being honest with I've noticed myself with the people around me mental health has been affected this third lockdown even more so yeah it has yeah um therapists are already having uh, I I don't do therapy anymore but um my colleagues who are still doing therapy are all fully booked and it doesn't matter what kind of therapy they they're doing they're just fully booked I mean that they they've always got a, a turnover so you know it's not impossible to get a session but it's really interesting at the moment and the, the kind of cases they're working with are cases where um, things have been brewing for a long time but because of the busyness of life people haven't allowed space for it to really come to the top to the surface and of course with this last year of, of lockdown we've had time we've had enforced time to sit and things will come to the surface then it's only natural but you know I know they talk about it being a mental health crisis 
I would like to reframe that and call it um, a mental health revolution, actually. Because okay. how wonderful is that, that we've had the opportunity to sit and let things come up so that we can deal with it. Because once we work through it, we're going to feel a whole lot better than we did before. That's a good point. That's very true. Yes. Tell us more about your book, where we can get it. So you can get this on In Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the full title is uh, The Essential Companion to Talking Therapy. But I'm sure if you put in talking therapy, it'll come up as well. Um, there's also another site that supports us, uh, independent bookshops, and it's called Bookshop. Uh, and you can go online and um, they donate a percentage of everything that's sold to independent bookshops. And I think that is just an amazing thing. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll end it there. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle.